Welcome to the Unfuck Your Health Podcast, where we get into all things training, nutrition, mindset, and help you unfuck your health. I'm your host, Brevin Jandrew. Let's get into it. Welcome to another episode of the Unfuck Your Health Podcast. Today, we are joined by Susan Niebergall. How are you doing today? Great. It's great to be here. Great to see you. Thank you. It is it's a pleasure to have you on. For those of you who don't know, um, for, some, for the listeners who don't know who you are, can you just give a little background of who you are? Sure. Um, so I'm Susan. Um, I am 63 years old. I uh, run the inner circle with Jordan Syatt. Um, I am the, cons- well, I was the consummate yo-yo dieter for decades, <laughs> lost a bunch of weight with Jenny Craig back in the day. And at that point, from that point on, just kept losing little bits, gaining a lot of bit, losing little bits, because really the only thing I learned from that was you eat very, very, very little in order to lose weight, which we all know is not a great strategy. <laughs> um, therefore, I yo-yo dieted for the next three, four decades. Um, I come to the fitness industry from education background. I was a, a band director and a school counselor for most of my career. I've been retired from that for about six years now. Um, and I got certified as a trainer 15 years ago, I think, maybe something like that. It's been that long. Um, and through, through the years, I just could not put all the pieces to the puzzle together. I was never obese, but I did have a good bit of weight. I was always overweight. I always had weight to lose and I never could really put it all together. Loved training, loved working with trainers, all of that, but never really saw any sustainable results. Um, uh, until I got into my mid fifties when I hired Jordan as my one-on-one coach, cause I thought I wanted to power lift and, um, to kind of make a long story short, I, right before I hired him, I had this kind of eureka moment where I kind of looked at myself in the bathroom and I'm like, what the hell has happened to me? Like my belly, like where did that come from? And I, I feel like I just changed physically overnight, which wasn't overnight. It was over decades, but to me it was overnight. And, um, I started thinking, oh my God, what has happened to me? Why is this happening? I'm doing everything right. Blah, 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 blah. And then I thought, oh, it's menopause. Oh yeah, menopause where your metabolism slows down, where your thyroid take just dives. So I decided, well, I'm just gonna go to the doctor, get my blood work done. She's gonna give me the medication that's gonna correct everything. And then everything's just gonna fall into place. So I did all that, but what came back was my blood work was just fine. And my doc said, you're just eating too much. And that hit, that hit me like a ton of bricks. So, and I'm thinking to myself, so what you're telling me is everything that I've done in the past three decades has been like, not a great idea, (laughs) Um, essentially. Uh, And I left there, I should have left there with, with an optimism, like I'm in control of this. That's great. I don't have a problem with me physically. Right. But I left there thinking, what do you know? You don't know anything. Then I got really (laughs) defensive about it. And um, I, I, I had to sit with it. And I took it to heart, started making small changes along, very small, like I didn't even track. I was just eating a little less, not a lot less, but even a little less. Started seeing kind of the results train start just a little bit, hired Jordan because I thought I wanted a power lift. Um, And I didn't hire him for nutrition because I thought I had it all figured out. I didn't, but I thought I did. But then I became an inner circle member as well and joined in the early stages and literally read everything he put out, listened to everything he put out and applied a lot of the inner circle guidelines that we still use today on myself. And lo and behold, 
between him and his programming for me and him working with changing my mindset and just everything over time, all of a sudden I changed completely, not only physically, but mentally, I think of things different. I mean, essentially my life changed, right? And I, I started thinking about this years down the road thinking, you know, I'm not anyone special to do this. I, I don't have great genetics. People like to throw that out a lot. I don't have great genetics. So this is from hard work and this is from being around the right people and, and being willing to trust and learn and all those things. If I can do it, anyone can do this. I don't care how old you are. Anyone can do this. And that's my big message is I feel like it's my responsibility now to get that out there to people that it's never too late to change. I don't care what your circumstances are, what, what your, you know, um, what mistakes you've made. God knows I've made all of them. Um, it's just never too late to turn it all around and make whatever changes you want to make. And so that's my mantra. Now I want to get the message out. However, I have to do it. I feel like I'm, I'm like, older than anybody I know in this industry. And so I feel like I'm kind of leading the way. Um, I want to pave a path for everybody, you know, showing you, living the example that you can do this for, for, for the rest of your life. No, I think that's amazing. And you touched on the point that the next question that I had for you, which is like, you you get you were about 50 years old when, when you made this big change. How, how did you start to change that and make that change? Because so many people you hear is like, oh, I, I can't do it. I'm too old to make this change. I'm past yeah. my prime. And you are clearly still in your prime making these changes. So like, what was that, that change, that light bulb moment for you? You know, it's interesting. When I started working with Jordan, uh, I had never hired a coach like that before. I'd had trainers in the gym, but I've never hired an online coach before. And I decided I was going to trust the process. And part of the process with, with us, when we first started working together was I, before that I was the, I work out six days a week. I lift sometimes two times a day. Mm, How crazy yeah. is that? And he scaled me back to four times a day. That was the first hurdle. You're right? like, this dude's crazy. <laughs> I, yeah, I did. <laughs> And I whined and I, I would message him and say, where's the rest of my workout? I'm only doing this. Are you kidding? Blah, blah, you know, and <laughs> he was probably rolling his eyes, getting my messages, but he said, you know, stick with this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what a rest day. What am I supposed to do in a rest day? And he's like, Susan, you're supposed to rest, <laughs> he goes, but you can go to the gym. If you want to on a rest day, do some really low intensity cardio. It, at the time he was describing zone two kind of cardio. Uh -huh. We weren't calling it that at that point, but that's essentially what he was saying. Do some low um, intensity cardio. He gave me a really low heart rate, not to let my heart rate get over. And I get on there and I am like, I'm, uh, I can't do this. I, can't, I couldn't pedal that slowly on the bike. You know, I had to move. I, I was just, I was so wound tight like that. Um, so I texted him back and I said, okay, I get it. I will not do this ever again. This was not fun <laughs> for me. I'm not ready to do this. I will, I will rest. I'll just go for a walk or something, whatever. And once we got over that hump and I allowed my body to finally recover from all the crap I had put it through before, um, wow, did the change start to happen? My, my lift skyrocketed. I made all kinds of progress. I started losing weight. I didn't even own a scale, so I don't know how much I was losing, but my clothes were all fitting different because I finally started putting those pieces to the puzzle together, you know? But that that hurdle of 
more exercise is better. You know, that was in my brain. If one exercise, if one workout a day is great, two must be like phenomenal. <laughs> um, that's the mindset I was coming into this with. And so we had to work on that. So he really had to pull out of me all this old beliefs. And when I started seeing how all of this works, literally, and, and I don't say this uh, flippantly at all, but my life changed. A it just changed 100%. Um, when I started implementing all the stuff that he was working with me on and it, I've never looked back, you know, and now we run the inner circle together. Um, that's so cool. Yeah. Which is great. Um, and he still does all of my programming for me. He knows me like a book, so he knows how to program around all of my little, you know, my little shoulder injury I had (laughs) my hip that I have right now and all the things. Um, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a process to readjust thinking, you know, it's not something that happened right away. It was over time, but um, once I trusted the process of, and I'll use the scaling back workouts as an example, when I started trusting that four times a week was plenty to lift and that I didn't have to work out every day, I started figuring out I was doing that out of fear, right? I was afraid that if I didn't work out six days a week, I was going to lose everything. I wasn't going to make progress. I was going to get fat, worried about all that. And the irony is I was making no progress when I was doing all that, I was making zero progress. But when you're in it, you don't really realize that, right? I look back on it and think, God, what an idiot. I was making <laughs> no progress. I was, my sleep stunk. My, I was getting these little nicked up injury kind of things, irritants, and um, it was taking longer to recover. And, you know, everything was just blah then. Um, so, so yeah, it, it was one of those the whole the whole shift, not just physically, but mentally, that was an even bigger shift, to be honest with you. And that's what I carry with me now to this day. For sure. You're like rest day. I've never heard of that exercise yeah, before. Like, what is that? <laughs> you know, and literally, I asked him, what am I supposed to do on a rest day? <laughs> yeah. We've, we've all gotten like, that question before. <laughs> and, and, and I'm sure he was thinking, oh, Lord, I've got one of those. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that and, and during that, like you said, when you're inside of that, it's so hard to see the other side yeah. of it. And you're like, man, yeah. I'm doing everything right, but I'm not making any progress. Or like I'm even going backwards. And it just it's so frustrating. And then everything just feels worse. And, and you know, the thing is, I was telling everybody at the time, you know, people are like, why are you working out twice, twice a day? Oh, I love it. You know, I was using that and, and I did love it. I mean, there's truth in that, but the reality was I wasn't doing it because I loved it. I was doing it because I felt like I had to. Yeah. You know, it, it comes from a darker was, place. Yeah. Out of all based in fear. And it's yeah. so interesting because I talk to people a lot who really panic at the thought of taking a rush day. And I tell them, man, I feel you. I was you. I was that person. But that shows me that there's a really unhealthy relationship with exercise, you know, if that's what you're doing. And we always focus on the relationship with food, but you have a relationship with exercise too. And that type of relationship that I had was very dysfunctional, right? It was not healthy. And I didn't even think of that. I just thought, well, more is better and I love it and blah, 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 grind and work and all that, you know, kind of stuff. Um, But it, once I did scale back, what I discovered was not only did my, did my lifts skyrocket, but my attitude towards working out changed. Like I would do the four day split, lower, upper, lower, upper, and I'd put a day off in between. And so it's like two rest days, right? Cause you're alternating body parts and mm-hmm. you have that rest day in the middle. 
So by the time I was going, I did legs on Monday. I was going to do upper body on Wednesday. I was chomping at the bit to go to the gym. I could not wait. And that felt so good. And that energy went right into my workouts, right? My workouts just went skyrocketing after all of this. And so my relationship with exercise improved, right? Because I was seeing results now. I was allowing my poor body to recover and I was seeing results. I love to go to the gym when before it was getting tiring. I have to go back to the gym for my second workout, uh, da, 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 you know, that kind of thing. No, for sure. And I, I think that's awesome. And it's really cool that you're able to to see the other side of it. And, and I think a lot of people have to go through that because I went through that in my own fitness journey too. When I was going to lose a hundred pounds, I was yeah. like, I'm working out every single day. Like, like you said, I was doing two a day. Sometimes I was going on runs and I hate running. Like it, it all came from a place of fear. Now, Speaking yeah. of coming from from a place of fear, I want to take you back just a little bit to um, at the doctor's office when you're you're getting your blood work done and you're thinking that you have this thyroid issue and that's why you're struggling. And then you get the test results and it says that you're fine. And, and instead of like like you said, instead of the like, oh, I'm happy, that's awesome, I'm, I'm healthy, you're like, well, I don't have that excuse to to hold on to. Can you speak a little bit to that? Because I, I, so many people are are first or really quick to blame their hormones and their metabolism as to why they're not making progress. Yeah. I mean, it's so easy to blame all that. Mm-hmm. It's easy to be a victim. And and that, and that's what we all are, right? We're allowing ourselves to be victims. Um, and that's the easy way out. There's no denying that. It's super easy to say, well, you know, it's because of my metabolism. I don't have any control over it. That's not my fault, you know, because if we take responsibility for stuff, oh, well, now we have to look at, okay, it's us. We're the ones that didn't do something right. We're the ones that maybe weren't doing what we were supposed to doing. We're the ones that were trying to bullshit ourselves about uh, the stuff that we were telling ourselves that we were doing or, or whatever, you know, it's, it's taking responsibility. That's not easy. That's not easy to do. It can make you feel like I'm a loser. I, I it, you know, I've, I'm a failure, blah, 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 blah. Why bother even trying? Cause I just suck, you know? Um, and, and I think we all, I think as humans, that's kind of where we go first. I think I did that too. Yeah. Because when I left the doctor's office, the news that she gave me was the best news I could have gotten. You know, I don't have a metabolism or thyroid issue. My blood work is great. I am healthy. You know, I, that should have been like wonderful. Instead, I thought, well, what do you know? Yeah. You don't know anything. It's my metabolism. You know, all that kind of stuff because I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to look at myself, you know, and over time implementing these small little changes and letting it seep in, I started figuring out I have nowhere else to blame. I mean, I can't point the finger anymore except here, you know, and, and that was hard. There's no doubt about it. That was hard because truly for so long, I felt like I was doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. I really, truly did. You know, we were armed with different information back when I was your age, you know, uh, we were, and it wasn't the best, (laughs) you know, and and you, that stuff sticks with you for a long time. And so yeah. to have to let go of that, even though it sounds ridiculous, um, it's hard to do. And as you get older, change is hard. I mean, it's hard anyway, but when you get older, I was telling somebody this earlier today, as you get older, we become a pain in the ass because <laughs> our heels are dug in, you know, and change becomes harder and harder. Changing your daily routine can be hard. I mean, anything. Yeah. But something of this magnitude is significant. And so, yeah, it, it's a lot harder to look at yourself, admit that what you were doing was not correct, was not 
getting you towards where you want to be. You need to own that. And now we need to go, okay, that doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It just means I had some faulty things that I was doing. So let's correct them and let's get moving on to the right path. That's not an easy thing to do. No, not at all. So can you take us into, you thought you were doing the right thing, what that yeah. looked like versus what yeah. doing the right thing looked like for you? A couple great examples. Um, I was the, uh, the consummate clean eater. And that word, if, any, if there's anything that drives me nuts, it's that clean. Like what the hell does that even mean? <laughs> I used it. I used the term yep. like a badge of honor. And um, basically for me, that meant I had my little bubble of foods. Some of them didn't even make sense. Like Cheerios were in my bubble of foods. I have no idea why, because they were healthy. They were whole grain, right? Yep. They were clean. So, okay, whatever. I had my little bubble of foods and I ate a lot of those foods. I never tracked because why do I have to track? They're healthy. They're good for me. I don't need to worry about that. And I'm really not eating that much. You know, I have no concept of portions whatsoever, <laughs> right? Um, so the clean eating thing, a, a great example of that is we would go to this restaurant locally here and my husband got to the point where he would say, okay, where do you want to go to eat where you can find something to eat? You know, I was the one that had to dictate that because of my little bubble. And we would always go to the same place because they had a dish there that I would always get because it sounded healthy. It was a pasta dish and it was tossed with pesto and <laughs> something, whatever. And that had grilled chicken and some whole grain, blah, blah, blah. And it came in this ginormous bowl and I would eat the whole thing. Makes it's it's no, funny I you mentioned that actually. I Just a, a quick story for, for like when I was on my fitness journey, I used to think eggs were like the epitome of health for whatever reason. And I would eat like 12 eggs a day. That was all I'd eat. And I was yeah. just like, clean, I'm eating clean. It's yeah, such a, right, such a right. crazy mindset right. to be it, in. It is a crazy mindset. And it's one of those things, it's, it's tunnel vision too, mm -hmm. right? Um, same thing. So I would eat this whole dish. Well, this whole dish was probably 1800 calories or something. I mean, I had no concept of that. So I was shooting myself in the foot constantly that way. The, the other example is I, um, I would eat almonds because they're healthy. That's a healthy fat, right? Well, when I worked at the school, I would keep almonds and I would have a handful here. Later on, I'd have another handful, maybe three handfuls during the day. That's like four or 500 calories, <laughs> not even thinking about it, you know? And, and then this, this really hit home a couple of times at school. When I worked in the school counseling office, we would celebrate each other's birthdays and we would take turns bringing in a treat, birthday cake, whatever, sing happy birthday, blah, blah, blah. And we would all meet in the little kitchen and go through the ritual. And whenever they would pass around cake, they would get to me and I would decline politely say, no, thank you. I'm not hungry or whatever. Um, and everyone would, would tell me, Susan, you are so disciplined. They called that disciplined, right? That's fueling this mm -hmm. irrational fire inside of me, right? I'm getting praise for doing this. People are looking up to me because I was turning down. I always turned down the piece of cake. Um, and the irony was on the inside, I'm dying because I want a piece of cake. I'm a cake girl, <laughs> you know, and I wanted a piece of cake. I was too afraid. I was too afraid to have that piece of cake. And I'm thinking to myself, you want to be like me? I want to be like you. I want to be able to have that piece of cake and enjoy it, you know, mm -hmm. and it came to head 
when it was my birthday and I didn't want a piece of my own cake that somebody brought me. And I made up an excuse why I didn't want it. Um, and I took it home. I think I probably eventually had some of it, but my husband and son probably ate most of it or whatever. But that was like, whoa, no, no, okay. <laughs> Something he, something's right. not right. Yep. Yep. Yeah, no, yeah, that, right? that's, that's, I mean, that's crazy. Um, yeah, it, but so it many is. people it, deal with that. Yeah. It's fear. It's allowing emotion to dictate our actions. And this is a great example of it. You know, the working out so much is another great example of allowing fear to run you. And whenever you allow fear, as I say, to drive the car, when you allow fear to get or emotion to get in the driver's seat and start driving, you're going to go down some windy ass road. You're never going to find your way back. You're going to start over again and again and again because you're lost, you know, and and I think that that is something so many of us have done. A hundred percent. No, I, it's funny you mentioned cake. Uh, it was ice cream for me. I had, I told for whatever reason, I thought ice cream was the most unhealthy food ever. So I would just never have it. Birthdays, everything. I was like, no, I don't like, I don't like ice cream. It's like, okay. Yeah. And then I eventually started to let myself have, I was like, I love ice cream so much. And, and it was just like for so for most of my life, I was like, nope, I don't like it because I was yeah. afraid to see people for, for other people to see me eat it. Yeah. And that was a big part of it for me too. I was afraid for people to see me eat cake is, oh, look at you. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're having a piece of cake today. You know, yep. I had created that. My, I had created mm -hmm. that whole reaction stuff myself from previous, you know, all the previous times. So yeah, it, it was, uh, it was eye-opening, um, regretful, um, because of all the pieces of cake I could have had <laughs> 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 and didn't, but it was so unhealthy. It was yeah. such an unhealthy relationship with food. Um, and, and, but something I think that's pretty common, right? It we is. think that the cupcake is going to make or break us it has nothing to do with the cupcake itself. You know, it's how we think of food, that food is categorized into these are good foods and these are bad foods. So, you know, and cupcake was in the bad food category for me. Yeah. And it's it, like you said, it's, it's so sad that so many people live that reality. We've both lived that reality. So, so you've convinced yeah. me now that, that I live in this, this place of fear and I'm struggling and I'm constantly starting over on my fitness journey. And I just, I want to get out of this fear place. Where do I start? You know, it, it's so interesting. Um, everybody's different with this. I feel like, and it depends on the individual. I think some people it's best to start real small right? To set them up with small successes early on. And that could look like, okay, I'm just going to agree that I'm going to walk every single day. I'm going to get outside and walk every single day. Doesn't matter amount, amount of time, whatever. It's your non-negotiable. I don't care if it's raining. I don't care if it's 10 degrees. You got to go walk, right? So that's one thing. The other thing could be nutrition related. You could start focusing on protein. How can I get protein in me every single time I eat, for instance? Um, or maybe even better, I like this, you take a pad of paper and pencil, and I'm very specific with that, no phone, no, no little tablet, no computer, pen and paper, and you literally write down everything you put in your mouth for during the course of the day, but do that for like two weeks. So you're going to put, I had a bite of this, I had a handful of these, I had a latte, I did that, da, da, da. every drink, every sip, every taste, every bite, write it down, don't measure it, don't count it. Just write it so you create this list. Because when you start seeing the list of all the stuff that you're putting in your mouth every day, all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I had no idea I was consuming that much every single day. Blissful and what awareness. What they do is they make 
small little adjustments just from that list that start making a little bit of a difference. And that can get your ball rolling. Now we're maybe now we go to the protein. Then maybe then we'll start tracking one meal a day. You know, I mean, you start stuff like that, right? So for people that like to don't that get too overwhelmed with everything that they want to change, that kind of approach can can work really, really well. No, I agree. And I, I think that is an amazing approach. And and I think so many people are like, I have like like you talked about earlier, so many people are like, I have to do all these things at once and I have to go a hundred miles an hour. And that's what causes you to just constantly stop and start and actually go nowhere. But if you were just to move slowly in the right direction every day, you're eventually going to get to your goal. Yeah. I, and I think a lot of that has to do with our expectations, like what we think should be happening, mm-hmm. the whole unrealistic expectations and the, the bar, how high we set it for ourselves. Lord knows we wouldn't set the bar that high for a friend, right? <laughs> you know, we wouldn't expect our friend to be losing all this weight really, really <laughs> fast. And if our friend said to this man, I've only lost, you know, four pounds this month only. Are you kidding me? That's a pound a week. You're like crushing it. That's what we would tell our friends. But yep. for us, we tell us, man, you need to cut your calories. You're only losing four pounds a, week, <laughs> you know, a month or something like that. You know, it's so interesting how we treat ourselves so differently than we would somebody else. Yeah. And, and that perspective, it, once you start to see that, you're like, oh, you know what? That is actually so true. It's crazy. But, but, everyone or so many people have lived that that reality of like nope i'm mean to you but mm-hmm. i'm going to be really nice to my friend who's doing the exact same thing and having the exact yeah. same progress yeah it's crazy why why we do that i don't know but um the word only is another pet peeve of mine mm-hmm. and the other word is should be i should be losing weight faster or i should see results whatever blah 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 those completely negate almost anything the person says you know yeah. i sh- I only lost three pounds. So now you've just negated all the progress that you just made. You undid with one stupid word because you believe it. You believe that you should have done more, you know, when in essence, you've done a great job. Keep going. And that right there is self-sabotage. Yeah. At its best, right? Mm-hmm. At its best. <laughs> but but it's so hard to identify in yourself sometimes. So I, I want to take us back a little bit and, and kind of touch on metabolism and and hormones as we are aging. What does that look like for us? How does that actually affect us? So let's address metabolism. I I think the the thing with that, we always thought that metabolism slowed as we aged. That was a common thing that we all were told, right? And so fairly recent research has come out that's saying, yeah, you know what? That's not true. Um, the, the fact is that our metabolism remains pretty damn stable from age 20 to 60. And even when you're in my age after 60, it only slows down a smidge. That's a, that's a real old fashioned word, a smidge (laughs) and, and translating that means a very little, (laughs) um, yeah, it just, it slows down a little bit. So that's amazing news because we're blaming, we've blamed metabolism for decades now. So now that's off the table. And that's been proven. So then it's like, why are we having this issue then as we get older? Well, as as you get into perimenopause and menopause, yeah, your body's changing. You you are changing physiologically. There are a lot of things going on. And we use the word hormones. And I don't even think most people know what (laughs) really that that entails. It's well, my hormones are off. Well, what do you mean by that? Please define that. (laughs) And 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 I'm not a doctor, so I don't even want to try to get into medical speak with it, but I, I, I will say this that 
part of perimenopause and menopause is a shift in hormones because you start, you know, when you're in menopause, you've lost your period, right? So yeah, your hormones absolutely are affected as, as you go through these stages of life. That's normal. But people have been using that as the excuse for why I've gained weight. That's why technically we tend to gain weight in our belly a little bit more because that's kind of what that's responsible for. But the interesting part about this is the reason we've gained weight is not because of metabolism, but it's because for decades, we've not moved as much. We haven't kept track of our nutrition over time. You know, we were younger, we were married, we, we had kids, we got this job, we were eating out a lot. We, you know, we weren't working out as hard as what we thought we were chasing cardio all the time or whatever it was. Um, time keeps going. We have kids, then forget it. You know, our life's not our own anymore. We're, we're going from this practice to that practice, eating on the fly. All of these things, minuscule little things that add up over decades, not a week or month, but decades, the changes you don't even notice as you go through them. None of us do. None of us notice it until it hits you. Probably a lot of people in their forties when perimenopause will kick in or in your fifties, something in, 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 in this age bracket. So we've created this perfect storm. We've created this perfect storm of not keeping track of everything as time has gone on. And now we've arrived at the time where mother nature starts getting involved <laughs> and changing us physiologically. So now we've created this perfect storm of, okay, Hormonal issues are going to make it a little bit more challenging. There's absolutely no doubt about that, but it doesn't mean it's impossible. The science of weight loss never changed from for decades. It's not changed. You eat less than your body needs, you will lose weight. What could happen is when you're in perimenopause and menopause, a lot of symptoms of those of those two time periods will make it super hard. Like you know, you hear about hot flashes or um, night sweats that keep you up all night. You're not sleeping. Cortisol levels go up. Well, it's not the cortisol that makes you gain fat. It's your behaviors as a result of cortisol that makes you gain fat, right? Um, our defenses are down when we're tired and stressed, right? We're, we're liable to reach for whatever to eat. You know, it's that. It's behavioral. It's not like cortisol's, we, our cortisol levels are raised and all of a sudden fat just stays, you know, it doesn't, no, it doesn't work that way. People like to think it does. It's not cortisol that's making you fat. It's your behaviors when you have rising levels of cortisol. So the cool thing about all of this is we're still in control, right? Some people, depending on how they go through perimenopause and menopause, may need some medical help, some hormonal hormone replacement therapy. That's always, an, you know, on the table. Talk to your doctor about your specific scenario with that. I didn't have hormone replacement um, therapy, and that was a decision my doctor and I made. Uh, for some people, it's a lifesaver, you know, so it just depends. But um, the cool thing is the science of weight loss is still the same. Eating a calorie deficit, you're going to lose weight, right? It just might be a little bit more challenging because the deficit might not be where you want it to be anymore, you know? I mean... Wouldn't it be great if our, all of our deficits could be 2,000 or more calories a day, right? It'd be a piece of cake, right? No pun intended. Um, but it, but it, it, it is, um, it, this, the science is still the same. We just have to be willing and be more aware, and, and maybe I should say honestly aware of what we're doing and what we're not doing, and, and take responsibility for it and start implementing change. That's how you counteract all of this. And if you feel like, and I should say this 
because some people out there are like, well, that, nothing ever worked for me. If you feel like that there's a physical issue that is keeping you from losing weight, the first thing you should be doing is going to see your doctor right away and tell them why you think you have an issue and let's get those tests done because it's either going to rule something in or it's going to rule something out, you know, and either way, you're going to be armed with just the information that you need. So if you, you know, I was that person, I thought I had the metabolism issue, right? I went to my doctor. Cool. I didn't have any issues. So now I had to face this way, right? I had to figure out, okay, I've got to start making change if I want to see change. It's on me. Yeah. And, and I think you touched on it so well earlier. You, you said that you hate the word should or shouldn't. And, and I think a lot of people have to st have to let go of like what should be happening. I should be losing weight at this many calories. Yeah. I should be losing weight doing this and start actually like what's actually happening and start reacting to that. Yeah. You know, I, I think, too, if you can focus more on processes and less on outcomes, you know, and by that, I mean, focus on give yourself some performance based goals in the gym. I want to get a push up. I want to get 10 push-ups. I want to be able to get a chin up. So many women want to get a chin up. I love that goal. You know, I want to deadlift my body weight, whatever it is, give yourself something else to focus on while, while you're still doing your nutrition in a deficit, although give yourself a bunch of performance-based goals that you want to do and focus on those. And when you stop focusing on the outcomes and how long things are taking and did I make progress today and all that, you take your mind off of that and onto the process stuff the other stuff comes with it. You know, you're going to get stronger. You start building muscle. You're going to start seeing changes in your body. Your motivation is going to go up. I mean, the wheel just keeps going. And all of a sudden you're going to see that scale go down too. You know, so it's, it's one of those things when we get glued to the outcomes, that's where we all, you know, start getting all the should be's and I'm, I'm not doing it good enough because they're watching little, you know, Janie over there doing some crazy you know, diet where she's eating 900 calories, of course, she's losing weight. But let's talk to Janie a year from now. Let's see how she's doing then. You know, um, it, it's hard to get out of the compare comparison game. But that's a big problem, too, because we see mm -hmm. other people losing weight quicker. So we think we should be too. When slow and sustainable, man, if you can keep with that, you're you're golden. 100%. And I like I like that. Uh focus on the the objectives every day and, and less on the outcome. And I think Jordan, I actually heard it from Jordan for the first time ever, the consistency calendar. I have that right there in the oh, back. Yeah. Um, I have my three <laughs> must do's every day and I check those off if I get my W or I get my L and it's my learning opportunity on how to do better. And once you focus on that and so much less on the outcome, fat loss ends up becoming a symptom. It does. It does. And our consistency calendar in the inner, we have a really cool one on our app in the inner circle. And um, literally, I mean, it was originally put out there. If you want to track your nutrition and your workouts, whatever, you put a big X on there. If you hit both of those and if you don't, you put a circle. And um, in the app, every time you put an X or a circle, you're going to hear our voices. We're going to talk to you. Um, telling you way to go, keep it going, or don't give up. You just turn around and hop back on track, you know, all the things. And what's cool is with that calendar, as you see, it gives you a visual very quickly. <laughs> it's very easy to see how consistent you're being because we always overestimate that. We always think, oh, oh yeah. I'm being so consistent. But when you actually do the math, you're, you come up at 65%. And while 65%, it's not bad, but in a school, that's a D. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a lot of room 
to improve that 65%. And if you're not seeing the progress you want to see, that's where you look first. You, you, instead of lowering your calories, you look to improve your consistency. And I, I don't know who thought, because this makes no sense. The people that are not consistent and they say, it's not working. I'm not making the progress I want. And they're ready to lower their calories when they haven't been consistent with the first set of calories. Like, how do you think you're going to be consistent with <laughs> right? less? That yep. makes no sense whatsoever. But in their head, they're thinking they're doing everything they can because they've estimated their consistency. Mm -hmm. And when I think you, it's, it's taking it from like an emotional decision to a logical decision, when yeah. you take the emotion out of it and you're like, no, logically, like I'm at a 65, I'm getting a D like, okay, I can only expect D results. But if I'm getting 90%, I can expect to be moving in the right direction pretty well. Absolutely. You can. And even people, you know, you always hear people talk about the 80% kind of thing. And I think 80% is a good baseline, but some people, depending on the specific scenario, if you're one of these people that doesn't have a lot of weight to lose and you're trying to lose that last little bit, your 80 is probably going to have to be closer to 90. You know, it's not going to get any easier. But if you're somebody that has a lot of weight to lose, you probably have a little bit more leeway than somebody who's trying to lose that last five or 10. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's where the individuality of it comes in and it becomes so important. And we talk in these generalities on social media so often that everyone's like, oh, no, that, that's what I have to do. But there's, there's a little bit more of an individual approach to it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, now, one other thing I wanted you to touch on um, was was getting into the gym when you feel like you're you're too old for the gym. You, you started in the gym really crushing it at around 50 years old. Um, can you talk about what kind of changes you see and why you think you need to be into the gym? You know, it's interesting because I, th I feel like probably the most important thing you can do for yourself to increase longevity and quality of life is to lift weight period. There's so many studies, obviously it's going to improve our muscle mass, but it's also going to improve our bone density. That's reversible too, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to let us to, it's going to lead us down a path of uh, a functional life for 40 years from now, you know, 50 years from now, whatever. Um, and I feel like, you know, you don't have to lift in a gym, but but you need to lift weight, whether you lift it at your house or you lift it at the gym, whatever. You need to lift weight and it needs to be weight that's heavy enough. So I was talking to somebody yesterday about how they, they work out at home and so many more people work out at home now, which is fine. Um, I encourage people though, I'll be honest, I encourage people to get out of the house, to mm -hmm. be honest. I, I feel like us old people can easily stay at home, way too easy. It's too easy for us to stay at home. Easy to it's get comfortable. Healthy. It's really comfortable. And I, I see that that is not a healthy thing to do, you know? So for me, I could work out here. I choose not to, um, unless I'm, unless I have to, you know, during the pandemic, this was great, obviously. And that's why so many people are at home. But the, the idea here is to have access to weight. You know, you need, if you want your body to change, if you want the benefits, you're going to need access to weight. That doesn't mean you're going to be a bodybuilder or do this crazy stuff, but you're going to find that you're going to build strength pretty quick if you're, especially if you're new to this, right? And then you're going to get the bug. You're going to want to keep going, but those 10 pound dumbbells ain't going to cut it, you know? So having access to weight to challenge you for the long haul is super important. That's why gyms are a cool idea because you don't have to ever worry about equipment. They always got it, right? 
But going to a gym can be super intimidating, especially if you don't know your way around. You are you you think everyone's looking at you, which by the way they're not. But it feels <laughs> like it. Um, you don't know what to do. You don't have a plan. All of those things. It can be very intimidating. It could be very easy to retreat. You know, and and I would tell that person uh, a couple things. I would tell that person. I would go to the gym and just go on a treadmill and walk and just get the vibe, feel it, you know, do that a couple of times. So you get used to coming in the door. And when you join a gym, most of the places offer you a free session or two, a personal trainer session. I would take them up on it. And I would tell that trainer, look, I am a beginner. I want to learn some basic strength training movements that, you know, I can eventually do on my own. And, and get some sessions under your belt with somebody at the gym that you can, that they can show you around the gym where everything is. So you feel more comfortable that can give you a plan that you can follow on your own. You know, this is how you get that wheel rolling. And pretty soon you're going to feel so comfortable there. It, it's, it's going to be like second in your second home, you know? Um, but if you're working out from home, and a lot of people do it for scheduling reasons. And I, I totally get that. Just make sure you have access to weight, schedule your workouts in like you would an appointment, because when you're at home, it's easier for them to get pushed aside for the laundry or for the, the kids and the, you know, all these things. So somehow you, you got to find that way to work around that part too. No, those non-negotiables become so, so important. Lifting is forever. Yeah. And what I always tell people is like, yes, lifting is cool to be able to look good and feel good. But like, you want to be able to get up off the toilet when you're 75 years old, like yeah. health yeah. is wealth. And, and that is one way that like, there's so many benefits to strength training. It truly is for everyone. Oh, it, it is. And I go as far as to say it should be required. I mean, well, I am that. I, I wish they would it. teach it in schools more. Yeah. They, they would you know, push it, these things in school. My son took weightlifting his senior mm -hmm. year in high school, and that laid a great foundation for him. Yeah. They actually did a great job with that class, and he just took off and went from there. He does all inner circle workouts now, and he's just crushing it. Um, it, it I just feel like it's so important that I don't care if you don't love it. That's not the point. The point would be that you do it anyway because it's that important. And even if it's two times a week, that's great. Do it. Work hard two times a week because 20 years down the road, you're going to be thankful that you did. You yep. know, it's just too important for us for longevity, for quality of life, everything as we get older. Future you will thank you. That was oh, amazing. 100%. Thank you so much for joining us. That, that was a really, really oh, fun episode. Great to be here. Yeah, Absolutely of course. Where can people here. find great, you? Great to meet you. Yeah. So, Susan Niebergall Fitness. A lot on Instagram, but all the major platforms, I, it's Susan Niebergolf Fitness. YouTube, I have a lot of resources over on YouTube. Um, and I, I wrote a book about my story, kind of all the mistakes I made, how I turned it all around. Um, and it's called Fit at Any Age, It's Never Too Late. And it's on Amazon. I will link all of that in the show notes. Thank you again. That was a, an amazing episode. It was so much fun having you on the Unfuck Your Health podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was great. We will see you guys next time. As always, I want to thank you for listening to the Unfuck Your Health podcast. If you enjoy the show and find it helpful, I'd love it if you would share it on your story so I can thank you for listening and leave a five-star rating review to help the podcast grow and allow me to impact more lives. As always, feel free to reach out with any questions or anything and anyone that you want to see on the show. Thanks again for listening to the Unfuck Your Health podcast.